Hello and welcome to the latest uh, episode of Inspire Club. Um, this week we're going to get straight into our guest and, and, and our conversation. Uh, and basically, uh, what, can I, what can I say? That this man's passionate about comms uh, and is damn good at them too. In, in his own words, he does one thing, help companies inform, involve and inspire. We, we like that word. Inspire their employees. Okay, as he says, that's probably three things. Um, but like so many of our, of our guests um, that I, I have the honour to speak to, um, I've admired, admired this person from afar for a very long time and um, I will get to know him along with you uh, on this podcast. So please welcome uh, the founder of Audacity, Jason Anthon. Uh, how are you doing? Hello, hello. I'm doing great. What about you, Matt? Yeah, good. Um, just just a crazy world, isn't it? It's just a crazy, crazy world out there. Uh, has been for a long time and um, rolling with the punches, as they say. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think a lot of internal comms folks and HR folks and people who are responsible for those types of things and organizations were doing a great job long before the pandemic came along. And then now that that's here, wow, what superstars they've been just responding and doing a lot of heavy lifting that they themselves didn't know that they were capable of. But, you know, they're doing a great job kind of holding things together for everybody. And so despite all the pandemic stuff, what a great opportunity for them to really to really shine and, and help lead their organizations. I uh, could not have said it better myself, and I, I won't even try to top that. So here, here's <laughs> everything, everything you've just said. Um, and and whilst whilst doing everything they have to do at home as well. Um, yeah, on top of that, they take care of the company as well as their family, their dog, their, their relatives, whatever needs doing, they're going to do it. Yeah, and at some point, look after yourself please you know put yourself first because the strain you've been under is has has been incredible and um we hope that this is a little bit of light relief for you but our community inspiring workplaces also somewhere that you can knock ideas about and get things off your chest so um but to you to, to you jason um that you're already you're already coming across as i thought you would be thinking of others um it's fantastic but spotlight back on you um and, and you can now talk about somebody else as well, though, as our first question and only rule of Inspire Club is sharing a story of somebody at work who's inspired you along the way. Well, you know, I've been doing this for 32 years, and uh, even though I don't look like it, I'm quite <laughs> younger Absolutely. Uh, than I actually am. But the reality is 32 years of doing this, you're going to run into a lot of people Um and all of them you remember, some for good reasons and some for not good reasons. Um, but they all have the, this, this knack of, of inspiring you in different ways. Um, and so when I think of someone who's inspired me, you know, positively, you know, I think of a couple of, of CEOs that I've worked with. My very first job um, out of university was doing uh, the employee newsletter at a bank. And we had a CEO who was a former U.S. Marine. And, you know, you can't imagine a more, you know, male, aggressive, type A uh, personality. Um, but he was the most humble and empathetic um, leader that I've uh, ever worked with. Uh, he was my very first CEO. So I started off uh, on the right foot and everyone else after him, I've kind of compared him to. But you know, he, he just really understood employees, what they do, how they do it, 
why what they do really matters, not just to the bank, uh, but to them personally. Um, and it's just very approachable uh, and friendly and was the type of leader who, uh, despite being in the Marines and they want to take the hill first, he was always um, behind pushing people and helping them and coaching them. Um, so it wasn't all about him. It was all about how he could help others be successful. And that was just a fantastic lesson to learn right out of university. And he continues to inspire me to this day. Uh, are we able to share the name of this great man? Or Yes, his name is uh, Dick Jackson. And the bank that we worked for was Georgia Federal Bank here in Atlanta, Georgia. Um uh, we eventually got bought, and that company got bought, and then that company got bought, as uh, happens often here in the States, particularly in the financial services industry. So he's been retired now for several years, but you know, it's just like a little ripple on a pond. Those ripples of working with him and how he was as a leader continue to inspire not just me, but the rest of the people that were on our, on our comms and marketing team. Well, thank you very much to Dick Jackson. Uh, and, and if you're still in contact with him, please forward this podcast on to him so he can hear hear what he meant to you. Because uh, I think it's very, very powerful knowing the impact people you know you've may had on people. It's it's amazing that we've done eleven of these uh, new reformatted podcasts now, and it's usually somebody early in your career that people really remember, and there, there must be some psychology psychology in that. I think so. I think, you know, those are the formative years and you're learning and you're a little bit nervous and scared and somebody who kind of takes you under their wing and, you know, it kind of gives you the tough love you need to to get on the right path to have a great career. I think those people are, are memorable, whether they're early or late, but they're typically early because you're so young and impressionable. You're just soaking all that stuff up, all that stuff up. And what, what a great uh, story as well for Don't Judge a Book by its cover. You know, as you said, you <laughs> ex-Marine, not what you would think humble and the most you know em- empathetic and you know, up, up pushing everybody from behind and so i think that's fantastic so thank you very much again to you know, mr dick jackson uh, and the georgia federal bank uh you hero for inspiring jason onto what he's gone on to do so um, absolutely so to, to the next question um what's your why you know what what drives you what's what's your what's your purpose in life and work right now well, my, you know, that's a hard question to ask because it feels so definitive and as, as if you've kind of gone to the mountaintop and yeah. come back with some revelations and have really thought about it and deliberated on it. But, you know, to me, it, it kind of, I kind of got it honest um, from my dad, who was a production foreman uh, on the assembly line at, a blue, at, at Bluebird, which is a school bus factory uh, in middle Georgia where I grew up. And you know, he would come home every day and talk about what happened at work. Um, and yes, we'd talk about building buses and the how to get the paint on them and how to marry the, you know, the body to the frame and all that. But he would also talk about the folks that were on his team and the challenges that they were having both personally and professionally and the, the challenges he would have working with his supervisors and his bosses. And, you know, I would just hear all this stuff growing up and you know, you don't think about anything like that having some sort of influence on you. But ultimately, that's what I ended up doing was you know, putting myself in the type of career where I can have an impact on the experience at work and how to make that feel more inspiring uh, for all the employees there, but certainly the ones who are not leaders. And so on a 
on a daily basis. Kind of my purpose is helping organizations uh, and uh, their employees understand each other better so that they both can accomplish, you know, their goals, uh, the corporate goals, the personal goals, the shared goals together, you know, trying to figure out how to help both of those parts of that organization really understand each other so that they both get what they want out of that relationship. Fantastic. Um, absolutely fantastic. It, it does have a huge impact, um, what you bring home. Um, so what you, what you do at work, and obviously bringing home right now is very literal in the sense that you never leave the place. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, um, but I've had a number of conversations that have followed that kind of line, um, what they saw their parents go through, whether, whether it be positively or negatively in their, in their, whilst growing up and the jobs that they had. And listening to you there makes me think that what I do now is a reaction to my father. Uh, he, he was a very driven man, is a very driven man, awesome human being. He was the person that inspired me when I was interviewed on this podcast, but works so much. <laughs> um to 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 give to us um but i never wanted that I, and right so i wanted to make sure there's work-life balance in the world where people could have both and i could have both um, now i find myself working longer hours <laughs> um, yes, yes right when your name is on the company time feels different to you <laughs> yeah because, because i love what i do now i i, I, I really have a strong belief and purpose in what we're trying to achieve at iw but um i definitely want to keep that balance so i, I love hearing i love hearing your story uh, jason um and let's hear more of it um What's your what's the best experience at work you've had and why? If, if you choose choose one, I'm sure you've had had many. Yeah, it's hard to narrow it down, but one thing that kind of sticks out is um, I I worked for a, a wire and cable manufacturer here uh, in Georgia called Southwire, uh, and literally make wire and cable. So all the stuff that's in your walls, and then all the stuff up and down the streets uh, to carry electricity and data and things like that, and. We had uh, manufacturing operations all over the U.S. Um, we had uh, a f aluminum smelter in Kentucky. And forever, we had been uh, a union-free company. And for a number of reasons, the employees at the aluminum smelter um, decided that they would like to have union representation. And so... Of course, that spins up all kinds of human resources and comms and labor relations activity to try and uh, figure out why and then what to do to you know, perhaps win that election um, or how to deal with it in case the company loses that election. And so I was flying up uh, to that facility for ongoing meetings and uh, I was sitting next to the CEO on the plane. And this was early in my career, maybe five, four or five years in. Um, and we had all kinds of um, labor attorneys, um, consultants, big HR consultants and stuff who were also on that plane that the CEO was getting counsel and advice from. And he turned to me and said, Jason, why do you think these employees want to have a union at this facility? And before I answered, I was like, there's like 40 other people <laughs> on this plane yeah. who know that answer and have probably, you know, can articulate it 10 times better than I can. I don't know why he's asking me this question, but what the heck? I'll just go ahead and answer. And I said, well, Roy, I got to tell you, from what I understand, they are doing everything they can to protect that facility from you. 
and just total silence and his face kind of turned ashen white and so did mine. I'm like, oh gosh, I went a bridge too far. I've said the wrong thing. But he said, well, what do you mean by that? I said, well, ever since we bought this facility back from the joint uh, partner that we had, there's been one takeaway after another, after another, after another, all of which are great business decisions because we have to operate the business that way to make it profitable. But from their perspective, it's one takeaway after another. And now they've finally had enough and they don't feel like anyone is listening to them. So they think the union can listen to them and will listen to them and that you will then listen to the union. So they're trying to protect, you know, the company from you and basically, you know, Southwire. And he said, well, no one's no one's ever told me that. And I was just dumb, I was just dumbfounded by it. Here are all these highfalutin, you know, consultants flying around with us who are trying to help us, but nobody's really actually told the CEO the truth about what's going on. And that that I, that was one of my most favorite moments at work because it, it's it's a reminder that that's our job. We have to tell the CEO and the C-suite and even frontline supervisors the things that they're not hearing because either they're not hearing them because people are afraid to tell them, or if they do tell them, they're not telling them the truth. So that's our job. It's their job to decide what to do with what we've told them, but it's our job to give them that counsel and insight. And that, that ended up being one of my favorite experiences because it's had such an impact going forward. It's, that's fantastic. I'm, I'm grinning from ear to ear on the other end of this microphone. Um, I, that's gutsy. Uh, you know, <laughs> We, I know as soon as I said that and he reacted like he did, I was like, are there uh, parachutes on this plane? I can just open this door and jump out uh, before they throw me out. Yeah, that, that, that's amazing. Like, did you, yeah, I don't know what, it, that might have taken me about an hour to suddenly get, you know, get consciousness again and like feel like I was okay. Um, <laughs> that's right, what, yeah. What, what an impact though. And again, I, I, it resonates because people so often try to overcomplicate very simple principles, you know, listen to people, <laughs> give them a voice, act upon their feedback, tell them how you're doing it. Really simple principles, but people always try and overcomplicate what should be not complicated um, to make money uh, or to defend, you know, to, to make, make it worthwhile for them being there, I suppose. And um, I just think let's just try and simplify things as much as we can. Um, yeah, well, I think they, you know, I think they were doing a good job of explaining to those employees what decisions were made and when they'll be enacted and who will be impacted, but they rarely spent any time on the why. And I think that's what really led to that whole situation was this wasn't a true understanding about why any of these things needed to be decided. There's a, I think you know her, Rachel Miller um, is uh, fantastic, and she, when the Edelman Trust Barometer came out this year, was just talking about you build trust through constant conversation. Um, Rather than tell, tell, tell. It's not one way. It's not, you know, it's a dialogue, isn't it? So um, that, that, that stuck with me. Um, what do you think a, a major workplace priority is right now in, in your eyes? Well, the things that I'm getting um, called about um, are, okay, um, we've had the pandemic and we've given everybody all these high-tech tools, but engagement still isn't any better than it was um, there's still not, you know, any greater understanding of sort of the mission, vision, values of the organization. And so we don't really know why that is. And so it feels to me like there's kind of two priorities. One, making sure that 
people are connected, um, if you don't have the right channels or whatever, you know, what are the ways that we can improve those things? But more than that, not just focusing on getting them connected, but connecting with them. So we have all these high tech tools that we can use to reach folks, but that none of them are a substitute for a high touch approach when we do reach them. And so I think organizations are now really sort of focusing on that. Okay, we've done a lot of heavy lifting to be, be able to get these high tech tools. Um, but now we're realizing that what employees really want is just more of a high touch relationship. How can we use those tools to you know, further those types of things? And those, those seem to be the big priorities right now. Could, could you give an example of like a high touch relationship for those that wouldn't know what that means? Well, for example, you know, okay, we're going to deploy Teams, uh, Microsoft Teams across the organization, which is going to give us the ability to have um, meetings all hours of the day and night uh, <laughs> yeah. during the week and the weekend. And you're like, oh, great, thanks. I'm really looking forward to that. And so most of the times when leaders reach out over those types of tools, it's for town halls or KPI updates or all of those types of things to talk about what's going on and what we are doing. Um, the way to turn that into more of a high touch type of, a, of an interaction is it's not what we're doing, but how you're doing. How do we take time to have meetings that have nothing to do with the business, nothing to do with work? And you just are reaching out individually in most cases to 15, 20 minute touch base. How's things going in your life? What's what's working? What's not working? What are the stress things at, at work that I can help sort of solve for you? Um, using those, you know, high tech tools to have those types of high touch conversations, they go a long way. Um, and I think employees really appreciate hearing from leaders um, about all kinds of things and not necessarily just the business stuff. So uh, what more can we do to start, you know, as Rachel said, building trust and building, having those ongoing conversations um, about a whole lot of things that aren't necessarily just all about work every single time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I'm interested in this now, having heard about um, that plane ride and, and <laughs> Jackson. Um, what do you think is the most important quality in a leader? Oh, gosh. Um, it's going to sound like a crazy answer, but I think the most important quality um, in a leader is to actually lead. I think a lot of times leaders confuse leading with managing. Um, those are two different things, and there's always room for a whole lot of managing that needs to go on. That's how, you know, the business operates, but that's different from leading. And so to me, when I say, you know, the most important quality for a leader is to actually lead, that means to sort of step out of your role as the manager of the business and embrace your role as the leader of the business and helping to inspire people, understand more about what your employees want, your customers want, your vendors and partners and suppliers want, um, interpreting the sometimes complex language and, and, and uh, processes inside a business so that employees in particular understand those things. Um, and just, you know, people spend a whole lot of time thinking about how they can 
have their leaders sort of have this thought leadership, um, you know, brand and persona, which is fine. But I think what's more valuable, especially for employees, is thought doership. What more can they be doing to put these big thoughts into action um, and not just talk about how great they are, but actually demonstrate those things and, and just truly lead versus just managing? Fantastic. Scribbling furiously here. I, 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 it's, that's a really interesting perspective and not one I've heard um, for a while, actually. Um, and I, I wouldn't mind exploring that a bit more with you, probably uh, offline, maybe in, in an article, I think, actually, because that's a really interesting take. Because, um, there, are, yeah, different, different traits, but actually getting on and doing, doing the work is... Um, <laughs> Very important. That's right. Yeah, there's no shortage of those traits. And, you know, there might be a hundred, all of which are important. Uh, you don't have to do all 100. You can just pick the five that are right for you and do those. But that's what's the important thing is, is to figure out what those things are and then just do those. Instead of talking about how important all 100 are, actually do the behaviors of the five um, that you feel are most important. That That's what employees really react to. Have the impact on your people by doing the doing the work, <laughs> doing the right. thinking. Right. Yeah, that's right. Be a thought doer and not just a thought leader. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. I definitely want to definitely talk to you after. Um, um, right. So, I, I, <laughs> this is timely, and maybe I should have asked you a week ago, but I've just gone through. <laughs> I've just just exchanged on our new home, which is going to be a, a huge project. I'm not going to move in for six months. Going to move in actually with my with my mother uh, and my wife, new wife and my dog. So um, this is going to be quite helpful. What is the best tip you have for dealing with stress? <laughs> oh gosh, um, I need it. I'm going to need it for six months. <laughs> right. Well, I think you know on a day to day basis uh, for me at least. Um, we all go from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting, and you know, there's sometimes hardly no way to escape those things. But at some point, we've got to build time in there to actually be able to think about doing the work that we're spending all these meetings talking about doing. Um, so we need to actually have the time to do it. And so to me, when, when I feel really stressed, it's when I'm spending too much time talking about all the work that needs to be done and not enough time actually doing that work. Um, and so, you know, I try to block time on the calendar where no matter what somebody says, I am not giving up this hour or two um, for this other meeting. You can reschedule it some other time. And you just have to be really sort of uh, definitive about that. Um, that's one thing that helps. The second thing that helps, for me at least, is when I have that time, you know, I turn off the notifications and I turn on the music. Um, because then I'm able to kind of escape sort of the minute by minute, you know, dinging, ding, ding of emails and text messages and everything else that's going on so that I can really deeply think about what this problem is and how it, how, what are the different ways it can be solved. And so those things really sort of help me uh, with the stress uh, up to and including, you know, when the day is done, particularly when you're working from home, when the day is done, it's done. Mm -hmm. Don't, it's so easy to just go back and sit in front of the laptop. Ah, I'm going to check one more thing. And the next thing you know, it's two hours later. When it's done, it's done. Put it away and move on to, you know, de-stressing and spending time with your family and friends and whatever else that you do. But, I mean, you're ultimately in control of, of your time. So control it. 
Fantastic, fantastic. Um, I've been trying to do that music. It's hard. It's hard to do. It, it is, it is. I, I'm just trying to get there with the music earlier in the day, actually. I, I've got a specific task I really want to get done, and I've got a playlist that I, I, I've picked out this morning, and I've not quite got there. So hopefully by the end of the day, I, I will through that task and listen to some absolute tunes as well at the same time um uh yes yeah, so let's let's just change it up let's change it up leave, leave the world of work and and uh move three inches <laughs> into into personal home uh, right now um if you're a if you're a school teacher uh, what would you teach oh gosh um and I, I don't know if you can actually teach this, but if you could, I would want to teach curiosity. Oh, yes. Yes. Because, you know, if if you are curious, then you're never really satisfied with whatever the first answer is. Um, and you just keep asking the question, asking the question and turning it around and looking at it in different ways. Um, and I think, you know, just being curious like that leads to exploring new and different ideas and solutions that you might not consider otherwise if you just accept all right here's the first answer and I'll just go with that you know there's 20,000 different other ways to look at that thing and but you won't explore any of that if you're just not curious about what that process is and and what it could lead to so if there's a way to teach curiosity that's what I would do I uh, just find it fascinating. I'm not sure whether I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I, I love I love that. I, I think that's fantastic. Um, Francesca Gino wrote a book called Rebel Talent um, uh, out of Harvard Business School, and she's it's all about curiosity. Rebels are curious. They they ask why. They 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 don't. So rebels are usually quite a, a word with a negative connotation, but actually. People who are curious are rebels by, by nature. So, and one one thing I learned from her, which blew my mind actually, and then made it it made sense when you see a child. Our peak curiosity as a as a human being is five years old, um, and then after that it it dwindles and dwanes. Um, but that's when you're seeing children always asking why, 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 and every every answer is followed by another question, and that's that's when we as human beings have our peak curiosity. And to teach that would be a great skill and gift, Jason. So, I think you should get onto that. All right, I'll I'll see if I can get that done this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> um, so are you an early bird or night owl? Um, I have to be an early bird uh, for work, but naturally I'm more of a night owl. Okay, good answer. Good so answer. it's kind of a, it's a yin and yang thing for me all the time, a constant struggle between who I am and sort of who I have to be. And I try to do a pretty good job of keeping those things separate, but if it were up to me, I would not get up at 4 a.m. in the morning so that I could get uh, a lot of work done before I have to do client stuff around 8 or 9 in the morning. Uh, and I'd stay up late and listen to music and watch different things. And when I could, you know, go out to restaurants and see live music and stuff like that, I'd, I'm just more naturally a night owl, but I have to be an early bird. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, again, hadn't, hadn't thought of it like that. I always just say early bird because that's when I'm best for work. But I'm definitely a, a night owl when it comes to I could if a, if I got back into the Sopranos or something like that, I could easily find myself <laughs> at 2.30 in the morning or a good good album I hadn't listened to in years. I could, you know, I could be up there 
as long as possible. You know, by the time I need to get up for work, probably to, listening that's to that. Right. So that's exactly right. Um, so to, to music, actually, uh, and I know this is an incredibly hard question, so we won't hold you to the answer. But what's your favourite album, and and what song is a go-to song when you need to fire yourself up to get some some stuff you just don't want to do done? Um, one of my favorite albums is, uh, by a guy named Lyle Lovett, um, U.S. um, he's from Texas. He sort of sings, it's not really country, but it's more sort of Western swing slash jazz. Um, he's got an album called The Road to Ensenada, um, that is just relaxing. He is such a great writer, not just, uh, of music, but. Um, actual words and lyrics. He's so clever. He's actually a journalism major at uh, Texas A&M University um, and then got into music uh, and has used all of that writing skills um, uh, to just write fantastic lyrics. So that's that's probably one of my favorite albums. And then the songs that uh, really kind of get me fired up, they tend to be more like late 70s, early 80s uh, funk music. So Earth, Wind & Fire, Trance, Parliament, um, you know, cameo, just anything that's funk related with a heavy sort of bass uh, and a lot of horns in it. Just wow, that's just so energizing to me. <laughs> I, lo- I love it. Early, late seventies, early eighties funk. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you for a track because we're compiling a playlist, uh, the Inspire Club playlist of one song from each guest to fire people up. Oh, great! I'm looking forward to that. Can, can you give us one track from... from- oh, gosh. Um, let me see if I can pick one. Um, that is hard to pick. I would say um, usually the one that's most um, um, sort of accessible for most people is Earth, Wind, and Fire. Now, most people will think of normal songs like September and some of those other things, but they have an album called All in All, um, and there's a song on there. Uh, called Serpentine Fire. Okay. Um, that's really that's a really strong uh, uh, sort of get you up and get you going um, kind of song. Um, so I think I would I think I would uh, I would put Serpentine Fire on that list. Also on that album is one called Jupiter, um, which is also about as good as any of their big hits that were released, but it was not released as a single. But it is really funky beat and get you get you moving kind of song. We, we, we might need to squeeze both of them on there now. All, <laughs> all I know is uh, I will. I won't do it on the podcast, but I'm going to be at home now the rest of the day singing a high pitched September. Uh, That's right. It's hard. To, yeah, it's hard to hit that. That is a high tenor, and I have long past the days I could hit those notes. Yeah, no, I, I'm not going to go there at all. I almost did, but I, I will not. Um, what, what's your What's your favorite film? Not the best film in the world ever, but your favorite film that you can just turn on and watch and enjoy. Oh, that it's definitely the Star Wars franchise in any of those. Uh, you know, everybody likes to rag on the prequels, and I'm also not that crazy about them, but they're Star Wars, so I've got to love them. Um, but wow, I can just put those on at any time and, you know, have them in the background, and they're just kind of go-tos because there's just so many. A, it's a great story. It's a huge, fantastic lesson in storytelling. But B, there's so many things in there to learn that you can apply at work about, you know, what to do and what not to do and what leadership looks like and, you know, the consequences if you act one way or another. And so there's so many parallels between 
what goes on, you know, in a galaxy far, far away and what goes on in, you know, right in your computer five inches from you every single day. So it's just, I don't know, maybe I'm the only one who sees it that way, but it's just, there's some fascinating lessons in there. Yeah. Well, talk about impact. I, I, I like the prequels. The only thing I have against the prequels is, is the CGI. So, you know, if, if they looked like the first three, then I don't, I don't think that people have too many objections because there's stunning storylines, you know. Yeah. Talking yeah. about Anakin turning into Darth. Oh, wow. They've got, they've got the tools. Um, Powerful. So, so uh, well, we'll fin- yeah, finish it up, I think. So, uh, you know, that's a high place to be, the, the Star Wars uh, episode. So, um, <laughs> the best place in the world you've ever visited. Um. I would have to say I spent um, Christmas holiday uh, two years ago with my son um, in London. And, you know, for people who are listening to this who live in London, you're probably like, eh, (laughs) this is where I live. How can that be the best place you ever visited? Um, Well, for the two of us, we had such a fabulous time. Um, you know, we stayed sort of in the Westminster area. Um, we took some excursions out. Uh, the, our favorite thing we did uh, was take a, a, a tour by uh, many uh, in the evening time around London. And the driver uh, was a history PhD oh, wow. uh, from a local university. So he's not just driving you around and going, look at this, look at this. This guy knew in depth the entire history um, of of London and and the surrounding area and could stop and explain to you, all right, this is what this is. And everybody knows it from the modern definition of it. But if you look back in the, you know, starting in the 1600s, here's how it evolved to be what it it was just absolutely (laughs) fascinating to us. Um, And we just had the best time. So. Um, I don't know that that's the answer that everybody expected, but it was such a wonderful trip. And to be able to explore that city like that and to get that perspective and to be able to do that uh, with my son was just it just made it the best place that I've visited so far. Well, well, that's that's great. Here. I, I, I lived in Sydney for a long time and uh, I always thought Sydney was the best place. But I come out, I've come out to London and I, I, I adore New York. But um, London is very special. It's a very, very special place. And. I, I used to have a an, my first office um, that I paid for was just off Cannon Street near the um, monument and London Bridge, and there a tour bus would come underneath my window, and it, they'd be talking about Pudding Lane and the Great Fire of London, and I, and I always said I should go on one of these because I was also a history major at college, and so I take my like French godson and and other people come to town. I take them on a walk and tour myself down the South Bank and through the city and show them the wall and. But I, I think it's always worthwhile when you go to a city to do those tours on the buses because they might look a bit you know, crass, I suppose, or but you learn so much. You learn so much, and it's it's awesome. You really do. Yeah, and you know, you'd see all those same images on the on the internet, and you think, oh, well, I already know this city because I've seen you know all these things my whole life, but. Going on those tours, you you get to hear just a totally different perspective, and see, you can see it with new eyes when you do it that way. You know, I, that, I, I did I did the Jack the Ripper tour in the East End, and you learn all about the East End because there's only so much they could talk about Jack the Ripper, considering they don't know who he is. And that was it was it's really it's really interesting. So that's what you've 
you've made me think about what tour can I do around London to learn something new when I'm allowed out of my house. Um, That's right. Uh, well, take that mini tour. That thing was fantastic. And everybody was, oh, these are classic minis from the mid 60s, I guess. And so, oh man, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's so much fun. And, and last question then, who would you recommend uh, if we were able to get them uh, and they wanted to come on, uh, who'd, who would be a good guest for the Inspire Club? Um, well, there's a friend of mine who uh, is actually a Yank, but she married a fellow and they live um, uh, outside of London, I believe. Um, and she is in uh, the creativity business. Her name is Beth Collier. Um, and so she has uh, a consultancy based all around creativity. Now, the, everyone's first thought about creativity is what font, what color, should it be digital or print? It's not that kind of creativity. It's about how to think creatively and use curiosity to understand what your business challenges are so that you can explore, you know, new and creative solutions for that. Um, and she just has a unique perspective and point of view um, and has been doing this, you know, forever. So I think she'd be fascinating to talk to and just learn a little bit more from. Fantastic. Well, if you're listening, Beth, uh, <laughs> don't be surprised when we come a knocking. Um, look, just thank you so much, Jason. Uh, this, this thank you, Matt. Conversation has been absolute treat, um, privilege for me. I hope everybody else has enjoyed it as much as I have. And um, just say, thank you very much. Well, it's been a pleasure, and I appreciate it. You know, like you said at the, at the start, you know, we've both kind of been following each other from afar, uh, so it's good to, uh, to finally interact like this. And you know, it's so humbling to be to be asked to be a part of this series. I uh, hope it's been helpful for everybody. I certainly enjoy it. And you know, if there's anything else that that I can do going forward, that uh, for anybody listening, and certainly for you, Matt, whatever I can do, I'm, that's that's what I'm here to do, and I'm glad to do it. Thank you so much. Well, Jason is helping us. He's um, one of our esteemed independent judges in the North American Inspiring Workplaces Awards, uh, the, the deadline for which is, is, is coming up the 24th of, of March. That's the same worldwide, the first time we've ever been open and closing for our awards in unison around the world. And that was going to continue from here on out, which which makes life easier for you and us, I think. So um, one, of the, one of the benefits of the horrible things we've all had to go through. Uh, but no, thank you so much, Jason. Thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, we'll be back again very soon uh, next week with another episode of, of the Inspire Club. Take care.